Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, I'm back after a lovely holiday and time away. I've returned and joining me, as always, are the two fellas. They didn't go anywhere. Um, well, I'll introduce the, the first one, as always, in Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been since I've been away? Bryce, I've had a manic week. Um, US TV, US radio, um, and obviously we're going to get on to why, but it's all revolving around Carlo Ancelotti. So, yeah, we were very busy last week as a as a whole uh, network on a football ground network. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's just the nature of the business. Something bad happens, like someone loses the job, and then we all get really busy, but that's just the nature of football. Well, that's it. I anticipated mi- missing one podcast, but... But not two, might I say. Um, and yeah, a bit of a well, a bit of a special during the week because of the news. Uh, very exciting and um, well, almost out of the blue by the nature of uh, Bayern Munich, I would say. But um, we're going to go to another, um, well, another person. Join us um, is obviously Manu Vet. Manu, how are you? Especially with all this news and busyness. Yeah, I mean, same as Chris, but Bryce, more importantly, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, you did get feeling hitched. Good? You did get hitched during your little holiday, so congrats to that. Uh, well, maybe, she- maybe not. Hitched, but certainly, certainly got engaged. Yes, oh, all very grown up. Eh? Yeah, good luck with that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so how so are you feeling? You you still feeling like yeah, everything is going well? Well, I feel like I've still made, still made the right choice, if that's the question. Uh, yeah, that was never in doubt. Uh, the question is, did she make the right choice, right? <laughs> well, that's it. She's, she's still got plenty of time to uh, to reverse her decision, but hopefully she doesn't. Um, but yes, let's talk about football. Let's get away from whether she's going to leave me or not. Um, Manu, how's your week been? And yeah, I'm sure you were surprised uh, by uh, Ancelotti's uh, sacking. I think yeah, that was actually something we discussed, Chris and I. It's it's a surprise, but not a shock, because of the, you know, you could sense that things weren't right. And I mean, we've sounded like a bit of a broken record for some time because we you could sense it um, that in, not everything was right in the Sebener Straße. The chemistry wasn't there. I think the thing that surprised me is that it was so early. Um, we talked about it on the, the, the Spezial. This is the earliest that Bayern ever have changed a coach since 1945. And in 1945, they only changed a coach earlier than this in the season because the guy died. Um, so, you know, it's it's very uncommon, very un-Bayern-like um, for what happened this week. And I guess that's really what surprised me. I think it wasn't a shock um, because you could sense that something was going wrong. It's the timing that surprised me. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, I must say, obviously, I still tuned in and checked out the midweek pods. And you guys made some uh, very valid points. And we, we've talked about on this uh, podcast for quite some time that yeah, Byron t- just haven't looked at Byron at past, have they? Uh, for the most of the uh, the last year that we have been potting, they've only shown glimpses of it really. And uh, yeah, a poor preseason and a poor start to the, to the league campaign, uh, yeah, really hasn't um, done them any favors. Um, and 
obviously a result didn't get him in the sack. But uh, Chris, uh, since uh, the midweek podcast uh, that you fellas did, um, has there been any update as to who's coming in? Do we know yet? Well, we don't know. Obviously, um, Willie Shan- Sagnol's in at the moment, isn't he? As um, as the as a bit of a, a goalkeeper, isn't he? Trying to keep it all together. Um, and we're expecting Bayern to make a decision during this international break. So that by the time we come out the other side, so in the next two weeks, we'll expect a um, a solution. And we've heard that from the club themselves. So it's looking like it's going to be Thomas Tuchel at the moment. Um, I don't think anybody else they want is available, be that be Jurgen Klopp or Julian Nagelsmann. Um, so I think it's looking odds on to be Thomas Tuchel. Very interesting. Interesting to see how he gets on there with the uh, big personalities. Um, Manu, obviously we were messaging during the game today uh, where Bayern went to went to uh, Hertford Berlin and they only managed a 2-2 draw after being 2-0 up. Uh, very un like but it's not the first time it's happened this season. Uh, we were all interested um, as to whether the players would react any differently and come out and maybe uh, hammer uh, Hertha or whether it would be the same old story. And Manu, it seems like it was the same old story. It did, nothing seemed to really change. Yeah, I think that Bayern were actually fortunate today the overturned penalty decision, um, you know, our favorite topic of late VAR. There was various different camera angles that we were shown. And then um, the, the camera angles that we were shown and the referee, I think, was shown to suggest that the, the decision may have been right to overturn the penalty and not give it. And then uh, apparently another camera angle. This is our favorite topic, isn't it, Chris? It showed that. Javi Martinez was playing the man before the ball. Penalty should have been a penalty. Referee should have just stuck to his decision. And um, then Bayern would have been in even bigger trouble, you know, at that point. And there was there were several occasions. I think that the the goal that Hertha didn't do themselves any favor because the Hummels goal was very poorly defended. And the Lewandowski goal, I have no idea what Rakic was thinking. Whatever he was thinking or doing at that situation... It should not have happened. That was not a Bundesliga team's, uh, a Bundesliga team standard. So I think Bayern were gifted two goals. They were gifted, uh, a non-penalty and, um, they still didn't manage to win. And that is something that is very uncommon to give away a 2-0 lead. And Hertha are not, uh, an Übermannschaft. You know, they're not an exceptional team. They went to Sweden and lost 1-0 to Östersund's FK. You know, most people don't even know where that is. And they go there and they lose. And then they go and play like that against Bayern and they actually get a result. And I think that is something that, you know, Bayern are just, it has so much wrong with that squad right now um, that it's really hard to, to even say, where, where do we start? But I think that, you know, whoever's going to come in, I, I, I even with Chris, I suspect it's going to be Tuchel. There will be some massive changes and there's massive changes will be needed because this team is not over. The window hasn't just closed, but they are in desperate need of a reform. Yeah, and it looks like uh, Thomas Tuchel could be the man to do that. Um, we, we talked about, the uh, obviously, the big personalities. Chris, uh, how do you feel that Thomas Tuchel would get on with the, the likes of uh, Robin and, and Ribery, which, um, yeah, obviously, Robin are very quiet today day today and so Ribery well he's come off from an injury that's well we don't know how long he's going to be out but it's it's going to be tough for any manager to come in and face those two well it is because you know today Hummels uh, Robin Ribery and Muller have got a, a draw in their first ever coaching game so 
Yeah, they're the guys that um, pushed Ancelotti out. I don't think it was necessarily the wrong decision. Um, just maybe it was the wrong decision to keep him on at the end of last season, but that's probably a different um, pod we can do all together. Mm-hmm. Um, how is Thomas Tuchel going to handle the likes of Ribery and Robin? I'm not sure. He doesn't really um, handle big names particularly well. Um, he didn't really get on with a few towards the back end of last season. Uh, um, Bruce Dortmund, did he? Um, if you look at um, you know the Pokal final, even after they won that, there was um, some harsh words exchanged in the press conference. Well, it was on live television, actually, wasn't it? Mm. So his ability to handle the, the big players, you know, not particularly sure on that. But uh, in his favour, um, some of the bigger players here are um, approaching the hill, aren't they? And they're not far from being um, over it. Robin's 33, um, Ribery's 34, um, Obviously, Muller's a big influence. He's 28, probably in the prime, so got a little bit left of him. And um, Hummels, he knows quite well, I think, anyway, who's who's 28. But it's, it's Robin and Ribery who will be the, the two you'll have to keep the biggest eye on, and, and they're the eldest. So we'll have to wait and see. But he could come in and galvanise that squad and take it forward because at the moment, um, yeah, yeah, they're poor. I was expecting um, Hertha Berlin to get battered today, I thought, because Ancelotti had gone out of the door. I thought the likes of Ribery and Robin and Muller um, and Hummels would be happy um, and they would just raise their game back to how we know they can. But seeing that it hasn't happened, maybe it looks like the problems at Bayern are a little bit deeper. And the fact that um, Willy Sanyol came out after the game and said, we're not the best side in Germany, um, that's a pretty profound statement for any um, coach mm-hmm. of Bayern Munich to say whether they're there for the next two weeks or whether they're there for the next two years. Um, that's a real big quote that he's come out with this afternoon. Well, that's that's a huge admittance of, I mean, it's it's the fact, it's true. I actually had this down as a 1-1 draw and um, when Bayern scored early, I, I was worried that I got that really wrong. So 2-2, I'm not too far off, but you know, I think, um, and Thomas Tuchel apparently internally, um, privately has said that he will only take the Bayern job if Robben and Ribery are gone next year. And I think that makes sense when you, when you look at this game, you know, um, and I love Robben and Ribery. They, they're two fantastic players and Ribery went down with what looked like a horrible injury today. Um, he couldn't even walk and, you know, had to leave the, the, the stadium on crutches and, um, he's 34 now and, and a terrible knee injury could, could be maybe even career ending at this point. I don't wish that for him, but I see why Thomas Tuchel would demand that because it is the big egos in, at Bayern. They are the two biggest stars other than Thomas Müller. And I think if they want to build a new hierarchy and bring in new players, it's not going to be possible with those two being there. It's, it's just not going to happen. The, the, the reason for that is quite simple because both of them have expect from themselves that they will always play and that they will play the full 90 minutes. And that is just not the reality anymore. They don't have it in them anymore to do that. Robin went out at 58 minutes today because frankly speaking, he wasn't, he wasn't playing well and, um, he did not like that one bit. And I don't think there can be an overhaul of the squad with those two being there. And I can see why Thomas Tuchel is saying, look, as part of the contract negotiations, if I come in and I clean the house, we have to do this right. And then that means we have to maybe let those two go. 
you know, and that's going to be very hard. I think that's going to be the hardest task that Bayern has faced in a long, long time. You remember, this is the golden generation at Bayern. This is the generation that won the triple. No, no Bayern team in the history has done that. And, um, they were the core players of that squad. And I think it's going to be difficult for any coach to moderate that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's baby task number one, you know, clean that, clean that up and bring in new, new faces. Well, Manu, you said that uh, some people are blaming the, uh, the rather odd atmosphere at the club on uh, Honus. I mean, why is that? Why are they pointing the finger at him? Yeah, that's the fans. Um, when you, when you get the sense, not all is well at Bayern. Yeah. So the, the, the sense is that a lot of this is going on since Hoeneß has returned. Um, the lack of transfers, big name signings. You know, people are saying we cannot compete for a Champions League title by signing Tolisso from Olympic Lyon. A good player, but no one has ever heard of him before. We cannot win the Champions League without a backup striker. And that's true. They probably can't. You know, Robert Lewandowski is a great striker, but what happens if he goes injured? You know, Bayern are one major injury away from completely throwing away the season because Ribery is now out. Um, Robin hasn't been great. The backup for both of those players, one of the backups is playing at Hoffenheim and the other one is just not ready. And um, there is no one up front that can replace Lewandowski. Müller is a great scorer. He's a great assist giver and a great, can score on occasions, but he's not an all-in-all striker. So Bayern are just one injury away now where they not only have to worry about we're not winning the title, but they, can, they might have to potentially worry about not advancing from the Champions League group. And then you're talking about, you're looking at the teams that are around them. You know, Leipzig won today. Um, Hoffenheim didn't win this week, but they, they have looked very good. And Dortmund had a terrible game on Friday, but still won. So they you know they're looking at the situation now where they have to be very careful, um, of what they're going to do for the rest of the season. Chris, before we move away from the uh, well, the changes at uh, Bayern, uh, what can we expect? We're going into international break. Is there anything we can expect uh, to happen apart from maybe a, a new man at the top in Tuchel? Um, you know, what else can the, the club possibly do in the next two weeks or so? Well, they can do very little because obviously the transfer window is closed so, and they can't bring any players in. Um, so it'll just be on the coach. But with that, if the new coach comes in in this international break, it should give a lift to the rest of the club. Um, and if it is Thomas Tuchel, that should that should bring a lift in. Um, you know, we know all know what a fantastic tactician he is. I'd expect him to sort out the problems quite quickly um, at Bayern, especially tactically, and, and get them back winning. And it'll only take a couple of games for him to get you know everyone on side into his thinking. Um, and then and then we can see where they are. But apart from that, I can't see anything else uh, more radical than than a new coach coming in, Bryce. Well, well Chris, uh, just um, finally, I mean, obviously you studied uh, Tuchel's work at uh, Borussia Dortmund you know, his time there. Uh, do you see James Rodriguez being a, a type of player that that he would like to have for your in his starting eleven? Because he doesn't seem to be featuring as much as maybe people would have uh, expected. Well, don't forget, he had that bit of a nasty injury earlier on, didn't he, in the season, um, pretty much as soon as he arrived. Uh, will he be featuring? You would expect that if um, Tuchel comes in, he'll be looking to build straight away. So I would expect him, I would expect us, sorry, to see a little bit less of the, the two we've mentioned and maybe the 
um, bringing through the likes of Kingsley Coman a little bit more as well as Hamas Rodriguez. So, so yeah, you will naturally look to the future, Thomas Tuchel will, but I don't think he's daft enough to cut off his nose and spite his face. If he wants them phased out, he'll probably phase them out himself. But, you know, with uh, Ribery being injured, he when he comes in, if Ribery's still injured in after the midweek, um, sorry, after the two-week international break, he'll have no option but to try new players. Um, I think... He will be more. It um, will be more happy with trying youth and maybe some of the less established players and develop them on, which is obviously something we've been exceptionally critical about Carlo Ancelotti of. Because although he's a good manager, he comes in and he takes established players and he gets them playing in an established way. And you know he hasn't got that at the moment because he's only got a couple of big name stars. Yeah, maybe just to quickly add to that Hamas situation, that was actually one of the things that I picked up from you know from different fan um, quotes from fans that were unhappy with the situation. And there was actually a lot of people believing Hamas didn't play today because he's Ancelotti's boy. And um, the, every big, every Bayern coach gets one transfer for, that gets to choose one transfer. And Hamas was Ancelotti's transfer. Thiago was Pep Guardiola's transfer, right? The, the rest of the transfers are all done by the club or management. And um, there was some suggestion that Hamas didn't play today because Ancelotti was sacked and uh, Willy Zaniol was told not to play him and go with the standard formation. So that, that, that's possibly a political situation and people are blaming that on Hoeneß. Whether that's right or not, I don't think it is, but it shows you what people are thinking about Hoeneß coming back and taking a major position at the club. Oh, I'd be excited to see what one player Thomas Tuchel might want to bring in. But um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move away from this. Obviously, we'd just like to say, um, hopefully, uh, Ribery does recover from that hyperextension knee um, sooner rather than later. But let's talk about uh, the games uh, midweek in Europe. Uh, Manu, to be honest, it was a pretty dire week, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, the results. I, I don't think uh, one German side even even got a win in the two European competitions, did they? Dyer is the understatement of the day. Um, it was horrible. It was pathetic. It was disappointing. It was um, varying. It was the sides that represented the Bundesliga this week internationally are not worth playing internationally. And I'm saying this. This sounds really harsh, but I mean it. And um, I'm looking at Hoffenheim Hertha. Uh, Cologne was maybe a little unlucky, but you cannot lose in Sweden at Östersunds. I'm sorry, that should never, ever, ever happen when you play as a Bundesliga side. If you can draw Bayern 2-2 at home, you must win away at Östersunds. And Hoffenheim, they were up 1-0. How can you lose at Ludogorets Rastgrad? I understand that they're a good side. And I understand that some other teams have lost there too. But if you're a Bundesliga side, you finish top four. There is no way you should lose that game. No way. And that is, that is, that is just unacceptable. And I think when you look at the squads that were put out by Hoffenheim and Hertha, it was disrespectful. You know, they were rotating, um, squad players off the squad. Um, they were playing in experimental teams. For, for these little teams, this is the match of the year. And to go into a game like that, that's, sorry, that's unacceptable. I, I, and I, I just, I, I thought it was a huge, for me personally, I thought it was hugely disappointing to see those results. I get, 
I get Dortmund and Bayern, you know, they, they actually play two very big teams in Europe. Um, so that can happen. Um, Köln, you know, Köln or Köln right now, we'll get into that into detail, but it is, it is, it is very disappointing, I think. Yeah, most certainly. Um, Chris, we obviously spoke up your pre-season and the end of last season uh, about uh, Borussia Dortmund at RB Leipzig going into Europe and we said it's going to be exciting to see these uh, attacking sides um, going at others and we, we anticipated that they would do pretty well and it just hasn't been the case, has it? I mean, obviously in a group you've got plenty of games to pull it round but it's definitely not been the, the well the results they would have wanted after two games. No, and you know, if we look at each one individually, um, PSG wiped the floor with Bayern, didn't they? Although Bayern had the better possession, um, you know, and they had the better chances at times. It's just you know, PSG were more clinical and they took their chances well and they picked them off at will. It was quite similar to watching um, Dortmund play against Spurs the other week, actually, where um, Dortmund had majority of the possession, but Spurs just picked them off randomly. But if you look at that game in isolation, PSG against Bayern, and then you look at the side that Ancelotti went with, you can understand why they had the floor wiped with them. Um, I spoke midweek, and Mano and I spoke midweek about how narrow they were, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, one of the one of the wide fullbacks is getting a goal after what 120 seconds. So that was a very poor decision by Ancelotti. Dortmund getting beat by Real Madrid. Okay, so they're the, uh, they're the defending champions, the only team that have ever won it back-to-back. Um, they're full of stars. They've got an established manager. And Dortmund, on the flip side, have got a few new players that they're trying to gel. They've got a new manager that's coming. That's come in. Um, and although they're playing very well domestically, it's just not hitting for them in, in Europe at the moment. So I think we can sort of forgive them for that. Um, RB Leipzig against um, Besiktas. Leipzig are brand new into Europe. The very first season in Europe and they're playing in the Champions League. They're a pot four side. So, you know, they've got three other good teams in their group. And Besiktas, although they're not one of the strongest sides, they are very, very well known throughout Europe and they played many, many European games. And, you know, this is Leipzig's, you know, something like their second game in Europe. So, it's going to take them time to get used to playing in Europe. It's completely different than playing in the league. Um, it takes a, a separate mindset and a separate approach to football, and they're learning that the hard way. And I think that's the same for Hoffenheim as well. You know, they've gone away to Ludogorets, who have played in the Champions League before, and they played, you know, big sides as well. Um, and Hoffenheim are, are learning. Um, yeah, Cologne absence for what twenty five, twenty six seasons. They may as well be European debutants as well. And they don't have anybody left over with any real European experience running through that squad. Um, and then Hertha Berlin, I, I put this one down to the fact that they just play awful football at times. Um, and man is quite right. They shouldn't be going to Sweden and getting beat and then coming back and um, drawing with Bayern Munich. If they can do that there, they can do that away from home. It's not like they've had a horrendous journey of three, four, five, six, seven thousand miles. You know, it's the middle of nowhere. They've had a pretty easy flight up to Sweden and then come straight back. So um, I would say Hertha Berlin is the most um, disappointing one of them all. Uh, the others, apart from the, the Bayern one, which I think was the manager's fault, the others are just part and parcel of, of new sides and new experiences at the moment. I think Nagelsmann underestimated Ludogorets, and he's he's guilty of that. You know, this is not the first time he's done this. Um, the the squad was heavily rotated, and then you know, mate, Chris is right. You you cannot that down to experience, and he is thirty, and the side has never played in Europe. But for heaven's sake, that's a Bundesliga side. You know, you can't be a top four league in Europe and go to Bulgaria and lose. 
you know, that can happen maybe once, but this is the second time that they give him away, um, a lead in, in Europe, in Europe. And I think that is, they're going to have to learn really quick. Um, I think experience is definitely one fact, but I think, um, you know, a lot of talk in Germany about the, the, the model of the Bundesliga and whether the Bundesliga, um, is not good enough right now. And I think, um, it, <laughs> the Bulgarians, they don't, they're not exactly rich of money either, and yet they still won, right? And the same is true for Osasuns and Red Star Belgrade and, uh, Besiktas. I don't think that is necessarily what's going on here. It's, I think it's inexperience is one factor, but it's also just, um, I think there's a little bit of arrogance, um, with some of these, with these sites as well. And, for years, Bundesliga teams have done quite well in Europe because they took it a bit more serious. And uh, I, I sense a little bit um, with some of the younger teams that they don't quite understand how difficult it is. So, so Manu, just to sum up, would you agree with Chris and say it's more an individual team kind of errors that have let the you know the, the mm-hmm. sides down um, over Europe you know this last few weeks, or or do you think there's deeper layer issues? choose with the Bundesliga like as you said some people are mentioning I think as a single match day there is we have six teams in Europe and there's six individual reasons why things happened the way they did and uh, so if you individually analyze the six different games it makes you can sort of you know draw a conclusion on why the six teams individually lost their games and um, I think if you take that as an isolated incident, it's not that worrying. But I think if this continues, if it becomes a trend, which it very well could, I mean, the first match day wasn't great either for the Bundesliga. And um, I think then you maybe have to look at the larger picture. And I think there is a little bit of a worrying trend in that, that teams in Germany paying too much attention right now. And I've mentioned this in the past. There is too much emphasis on building talent and then trying to make a profit from it. Now, full bank accounts are not going to win football games. Borussia Dortmund have a ton of money. Bayern Munich have a ton of money. A lot of the other Bundesliga sides, they're all financially very wealthy. We want that. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely want that. But you cannot be a feeder league to England and expect to win in Europe. You know, you have to decide. If you want to be, if your Bundesliga wants to become, um, the Eredivisie and Ecstasy, you know, a posh, version of Dutch football. I don't know. I don't know if that is the vision that we want. And it, you have some managers, some and some Bundesliga teams making that the model. We're buying so we can sell with profit to the Premier League. Well, that's fantastic. You know what? I don't think anyone wants to see that. I think individually, the different Bundesliga sides have to say like, yes, making a profit is great, but, but if you want to be competitive and also make that next step as a league, and, you know, break into markets like North America. I live in North America. They, 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 they see those results and they think, okay, well, this is not great. This league can't be any good. All the teams are losing in Europe, you know. And that is, I think, that's something that they have to keep in mind. Um, it's also noted that, you know, players are leaving. Um, you know, if you are choosing in, in North America, everyone has an A team, which is usually the MLS team, and then they have a team in the Bundesliga. Now, a lot of times... Americans pick Borussia Dortmund and Bayern because there's a small chance that these teams will pick, keep their superstars. You know, in North American sports, it's all about having a superstar on your side. Entire teams are built around franchise players. 
And that's very important as an identity factor. So if you want to break into this North American market, guess what? Do not sell the franchise player guy to England because you will actually sell your fans with him. So that's, I think, something that needs to, needs to be maybe addressed. Bryce, I'll um, maybe do a little bit of defending of some of the teams. I think if we are looking at the match day there, um, and even the one previously, and if you take out Hertha because I think they just play poor football, if you take out FC Clone because you know they haven't been in Europe for um, 26 years, and if you take out Leipzig because they're a newly created side, really in the big scheme of things, and you replace them with Schalke, Gladbach, and Bayer Leverkusen, I think we have a better week. Yeah, I would actually agree with that, Chris. They, they, they actually, the kicker had a statistic on that. Um, Schalke and Bayer are the biggest two, the third and fourth biggest collector of UEFA coefficient points in the last five years behind Dortmund and Bayern München. And they got, they're not there. You know, neither Schalke and Bayer Leverkusen have qualified. It's kind of like when you take the English equivalent. Um, you know, when, when Chelsea wasn't there last year, right? And they were replaced by Leicester. Now Leicester did actually really well, but um, let's take United, Chelsea, and City not qualifying for Europe, and you have an entire different picture, right? And I think you know, Chris. I think you actually have a very good point. So I think, I think this is really um, one thing to keep in mind: is the the short term one match day, and if next match day all those teams win, or four out of the six teams win, and um, four out of this, four, four, four out of four, five teams out of that reach the next round of the European Euro, Euro, European stage. Then I don't think we have to worry. So I think it's a warning shot that could become a trend, and I hope it's not becoming a trend. I just have very quickly one last uh, question, uh, Chris. Uh, do you see uh, Bayern, or sorry, do you see Bayern, Borussia Dortmund, and you know RB Leipzig getting through their group? Um, at the moment, I fear slightly for um, Borussia Dortmund, but they've got two back-to-back games against um, Alpel Nicosia, who they should get a load of hot points from. And then sometimes Tottenham can be a little bit iffy traveling, so um, they could pick up some more points. And then who knows what happens in the Bernabeu. So they may be okay. Um, I don't think that uh, Hoffenheim will get through um i just think they're in a, in a learning curve at the moment um cologne potentially if they pull themselves out of this horrendous rut they're in um i'd like to see Leipzig get through because i think on knockout football it would be quite good um and hertha berlin yeah i i don't think they'll be getting through the group stages so if i had to put my um money on anything i would say bayern dortmund um, and probably Leipzig will get through. I don't know if the Europa League teams will. And Dortmund could end up in the Europa League, and then they would collect a ton of points there because I could see them go very deep or maybe even win that. Yes, indeed. Well, we'll just have to see what happens with these sides in the next few weeks. But we've talked uh, plenty about uh, Bayern Munich and how they're well having a bit of a troubled season. It is good news, though, uh, partly for the league, would you not say, Manu, uh, in the in the title race? I mean, obviously, we're seeing Dortmund uh, up in first. Yes, Bayern are still in second, but, you know, there, there's five points difference now, and it, it's really a healthy thing as well. We've, we've spoke about it before, haven't we, that um, obviously if Bayern was to win the league every year, it, it's not good for the rest of the side. So, so this could be a good effect for the other teams. 
I don't want to be accused of having an agenda against Bayern München, but this is good fun, isn't it? Um, it's it's exciting to see them struggle, and it does, you don't want anyone seeing struggling. And I, I actually really, really mean that. Um, but it is it it brings um, a very good storyline to this league. It really does. And again, I. I want Bayern to sort out their problems. I want Frank Ribéry to go to get well because he's he's a beautiful player to watch. But it is fantastic because we have this great storyline. And Chris, I mean, this is something that we talked about in our Spezial. This is a fantastic storyline. And look at Dortmund. They're five points clear of Bayern. Uh, the, the way it's going for Bayern, this, those five points might grow pretty quickly. And... Although I could see Bayern rallying late and trying to get in, but this is good fun. I mean, there's uncertainty. We don't know how the season is going to end. No, we don't. It's, it is good at the moment. And we had this, you know, when we first started doing the pod, Bayern had a little bit of a challenge from RB Leipzig and they kept with it and it was very close. And then all of a sudden, Bayern pulled away. So it became a little bit similar, didn't it? I mean, this season... Dortmund the top, um, you know, 19 points from seven matches, but that, remarkably they've got a plus 19 goal difference. I mean, how crucial might that be mm-hmm. come the end of the season? And then, you know, there's there's a good glutch of players, uh, sorry, a good glutch of clubs that are, are between second and sixth. It's all nice and tight and it can go any way depending on your result in, in the match day. So, you know, buying a, a drop themselves a little bit, but, you know, they, they find themselves going a little bit more now that draw, um, you know, if that draw was a defeat, they would be in trouble. Um, but they've sort of got away with Hoffenheim slipping up. But Leipzig are there in touching distance as a Hoffenheim. You know, unbelievably Hanover and Augsburg are still there for how much longer, I don't know. Gladbach are on the rise. Um, little disappointed that by Leverkusen have slipped again um, down. Um, and I'm thinking more of next season. If we can get a really strong European sides in next season we shouldn't have the problems that we saw midweek so it is really good for the league um and you know as it has last season um it's pretty much the same down the bottom isn't it yeah familiar faces <laughs> very familiar faces down the bottom but that, that that's going back to the title race i think i think dortmund have a real chance to profit from that's this the slip up and that uh, Bayern is offering the rest of the league. Because even even if they sort out a new coach over the international break, we, we mentioned all these problems that Tuchel would have to deal with, or if it's someone else, that coach would also have to deal with those problems. I could see them dropping further points um, in the next 10 match days. Because remember that the, the earliest time Bayern can make fixes to the squad is after match day 17. They have to deal with this for another 10 matches. So it's exciting. It's really exciting. Well, I think the thing is with the squad and whoever Bayern Munich bring in, uh, you would imagine that they're still going to pick up a hell of a lot of points and a lot of wins this season, uh, even if it's a poor season by their standards. So I think all the other sides really do have to take advantage of this, uh, well, poor patch that they're having at the moment and a new coach coming in sometimes it takes time you know, to get those things in place you know Ancelotti's style could be very different from Tuchel's for example so I think the other sides have just got to keep plugging away they've got Freiburg next um, hopefully Freiburg will go out and really give that one a, a good go but um, talking about um, Borussia Dortmund uh, Chris the they struggled a little bit this weekend, didn't they, against Osberg? And you know, not everyone was uh, 
entirely happy about the performance, were they? Uh, no, but they won. So that's that's the key thing. Uh, last season, um, you know, this game they bossed and they came away with a draw. And everyone's like, how on earth did they come away with a draw from that game? It should have been eight, nine, ten because it was it was they had that many opportunities to score. They didn't play particularly well this week, um, but they've won two one. So that's a good sign. Uh, if you look at it from last season. You know, when we were talking a lot, weren't we, about missed opportunities and missed chances. And this one, in this particular match day, we're talking about the other. They didn't play particularly well, but they've still won. That's that's key for this. Um, you can have an off day. You know, this is their seventh match now. They're going to play a little bit iffy on one of those seven games. And they've done it and they've got away with it. And it's a fantastic goal. You know, that's won it. But I don't think you can complain too much if you're playing poorly and winning, which I mean, this is the first time they played poorly and they've won. So I would say that there would, it would be a harsh critic that comes in and says, you know, it's probably not good enough that they've just scraped a victory here. They've played poorly and they've won. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you'd rather have your side play poorly all season and win the league, wouldn't you? I suppose. But, um, Oh, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But occasionally, Chris, as, as Liverpool fans, I think we we would probably take that for for at least one year, would we not? Yeah, but what you've got to remember <laughs> is where they're, they're now five points clear of Bayern Munich, um, and if they hadn't have played particularly well and dropped another two points, then you know they're only three points clear, and that's where the problem was last season. This is why they didn't finish in second last season because the, when their opportunity was there to pick up points, they didn't, and the opportunity wasn't there to pick up points this weekend, and they did. So I'm quite happy after watching them last season and failing to pick up points that if they're going to have one iffy game every seven and still win, I don't think there's much you can really complain about that. No, I think that that's fair enough. Um, Manu, you guys obviously spoke when I was away with uh, John about uh, Aubameyang and uh, maybe not. Um, well, John has always said that you know, he felt that he uh, missed more of the easier chances and maybe scored the more complicated ones. Um, what did you make his his performance this weekend then? Yeah, he missed the penalty. I, I thought it was... He missed a few chances and it kind of feeds the debate um, we're probably gonna get a special article and kick about it this week again too and it, it feeds the debate that's generally happening happening about uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that you know that he doesn't put away the easy chances and that penalty um, I think a lot of goalkeepers know that he likes to do the panenka and Hitz was very smart to just you know stay in the middle of the of the goal mouth and just collect the ball and it was it was the easy penalty to save and uh, I think that's something. It's it's such a hard one for me because you know on the other hand he's he's such a charismatic guy he's such a superstar he's uh, he is the kind of guy he's a franchise player he's the kind of guy that people identify with who people love watching and you know if he if he if the penalty if he scores that penalty everyone will be giving him adulations and congrat him and uh, there will be articles written about how funny he is and. It's such a fine line, you know, and if you're a superstar, um, an athlete, you, you're almost an artist and I, I see him almost like that. Um, Dortmund won the game. I think that's really the, the important factor in this that, you know, they won this game. That's all that matters. And 
Ancelotti, did, uh, not Ancelotti, sorry, Aubameyang had a bad day and they still won. And the Chris is quite right. Last year, they wouldn't have won this game. You know, bad day for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang meant that Dortmund would drop points and they didn't this time. So, yeah, the debate on the world-class thing continues. I personally think he is, but he's not efficient. Yeah, I think he is uh, as well. And I, th- I thought uh, Chris made a very good point last week in saying that, you know, it, it's hard to criticize him when he got over 30 goals mm. last season. But um, probably if he had to put away some of the chances he did miss, he'd probably be getting the likes of 40 goals. He, he's, he's just that good with his positional play, isn't he? But uh, Chris, uh, the next game uh, between these two, obviously after the international break is... Uh, is, I'm sorry, between these two, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, um, is Dortmund versus RB Leipzig, and that's obviously a, a very exciting uh, prospect. Yeah, it always is. Um, it would be interesting to see the off-the-pitch um, this season compared to last season, if there's been any common down intentions, so that'll be one to keep an eye on. But on the field, uh, it was a cracker last season, wasn't it? Uh, and we can remember the um, Tuchel hand signs, the uh, mouth signs on the side of the pitch, which was, you know, added a little bit of spice to it. But I thought it was, it's got all the ingredients. Uh, both teams, I think, uh, are playing well in the league. Obviously, Dortmund a little bit better, um, but Leipzig are still there in the in the in the race already, uh, and they play good football. We've seen firsthand the good football they play. It's been a little off on times, but this is the sort of game where you expect Leipzig to come out all guns blazing and to be at the top of their game. So this could be, you know, one of the top games, hence why it's going to be on at 5.30 in, well, 6.30 in Germany on the um, Saturday night. It's the the big game of the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. It's going to be a very exciting one and one that could um, possibly see uh, Dortmund go even uh, further ahead at the top if uh, other results go their way. Or it could, uh, well, just make things ever so closer if RB Leipzig can get a victory. But... Um, yeah, guys, let's talk about things at the other end of the table. Um, obviously, as we've mentioned before, Cologne are having an absolute shocker this season. Uh, we've reported plenty uh, about them uh, and for them, uh, I suppose, football grads. Uh, and we keep expecting them to, to get a win or at least get a, a goal or two. But yeah, things have been really, really poor. And a big contrast compared to last season, hasn't it, Manu? But um, you, you and I watched the game we were messaging today and... I thought they played fairly well. Mm. Yeah, they did. Um, they're a bit unfortunate. Uh, the guy that they're missing was in the stands. Uh, Anthony Modesto was in the stadium today. And they they just can't score. <laughs> it's really really that simple. It's just they can't score. You know, John Cordoba would have brought in. Well, actually, I still believe he's a, he's a great player. But he just... he. he he is not the same kind of player and they, they replaced one guy with another guy who's, you know, who doesn't fit that system. And I think that's hurting them really badly. And then once you get into that spiral of bad results, it's really hard to get out of it. And the, the midweek games don't help either. I think that's something that's hurting them really badly because they don't have time to um, readjust. I think there is, if there is a team in Germany that is happy about that international break right now, it's them. You know, there's no other team that is happy because you know they signed Claudio Pizarro, who is an all-in-all striker, who I think can help them. Uh, you know, just the leadership off the pitch, but 
he's also good to get those important goals. And remember, he did something um, similar to Forwerda when he was there two years ago and more or less saved him from relegation. And I could see him playing a similar role there, but it's it's going to be tough. I mean, they only got one point out of seven games and it's doable. Hamburg has shown that they it's doable to get out of out of the relegation zone, even if you're stuck in it. But it's certainly not looking great. And I am I am worried about them. You know, I don't want them to go down because I think it's one of the, the best stadiums in Germany. It's one of the best atmospheres. I believe it's in the long run a club that should be one of those big clubs in German football too, simply because of the the fan power that they bring and the, the commercial value that's in, in that area of, of Germany, they have the potential to become a big club and a rich club and a club that could uh, add value to this league. And I, I certainly hope that they're not going down. Yeah, well, just compared to last year, they were obviously fairly sturdy at the back. Uh, this year, they're, they're making mistakes. I mean, today, they're, they were dallying with the ball and instead of just get rid of it. Um, I don't know whether they thought that they could play it out at times and Obviously, RB Leipzig have got some rather quick attackers, you know, and they they were causing them a lot of problems. But goals they just can't get. Since uh, Pizarro, obviously a record-setting uh, uh, Pizarro, uh, you know, one of the all-time highest goal scorers in the Bundesliga. Um, he's 38. You know, it's a it's a big ask. Uh, John Kudrowa came off with a hamstring uh, issue today, which doesn't look good. Uh, they're going to really struggle. I mean, if if you know, Pizarro can get them a few goals, you know, maybe 10, 15 goals this season, which, yes, is a big ask for a 38-year-old. You know, it might make all the difference, but every game is becoming a tough one now. I mean, if, if you're looking at the fixtures coming up, you know, they're at home to Werner Bremen, then they're away to Hertha, and then away to you know, Bayer Leverkusen. And you know, last year, you would have fancied them against some of these sides, but not this year. And it's, it's, it's really testing times. It's really concerning them. Chris... Do you see any upside? Do you see a club being able to pull out of this? I mean, they haven't changed their squad that much compared to last year, but apart from one player, which made it obviously a, a massive difference. Yeah, I worry a little bit for them the longer this rut goes on. If they could have got, you know, a draw today, I think that could have helped. But um, evidently, you know, they couldn't, and they were uh, they were beaten in the end, weren't they, by Leipzig? It's yeah, I, I agree with what Manu says there. So. Pizarro's come in, he's not necessarily going to go and get them 15, 20 goals, but what he does bring in is a hell of a lot of experience and a big character in the dressing room. Maybe to, maybe that's what Cologne have identified, that there's, there's, there's a slump in the dressing room. There's no natural leadership in there. So they've brought him in. Um, you know, on a free transfer at, at a very old age. Let's be honest; he's 38, which is which is old for a top-level footballer in one of Europe's top leagues, um, and he's obviously going to be in Europe as well. So he may not have that much influence on the pitch. And what we've seen today, him coming in as a bit of a bit start, although with Cordoba getting injured, he may get more time um, on the pitch than he thought he would. I still think he's been brought in to bring in all his experience that he's got from the clubs he's been and everything he's seen and done, and you know, especially that he did with the. Raymond and can he do it again um, with um, with Cologne I hope like Manu does that they don't go down I don't like to see any side go down really but Cologne um, I was really impressed with them last season I thought they would go really well in Europe in the Europa League and I thought they would be able to keep it together and have a good crack at the Bundesliga not win it but I mean you know be around about the fifth or sixth place again and maybe have a good Pokal run but at the moment they look like a team that's lost um and it must be a real 
bad atmosphere in that dressing room at the moment. And I think that's probably why Pizarro has been brought in. But can I see them escaping a drop? Um, we, it's very early at the moment, isn't it? But the longer it goes on, I said this last week, the longer it goes on and they're on, I think it was six games and one point. I said it'll be a trouble. And now they're on seven games and one point. Are we going to get to nine games and 10 games on one point? Because at some time or other, the gap becomes it's three at the moment and then to the next place up and then it's six to safety. All of a sudden that gap to safety goes to six to eight to 10, to 12, and then you've got no chance. Yeah, it'll be a real shame if that does happen. Uh, let's just hope for their sake that Pizarro and the rest of the team can come together and I'll pick up a, a few results. But uh, let's look at the other sides down there. So obviously we talked about uh, the other teams above them being uh, three and then six points above them. Uh, that leaves that there's plenty of teams on, on seven points, may I say. But um, Bremen are sitting in with four points at the moment and things look... Well, not just as bad as uh, Cologne, but, but pretty close, Manu. I mean, they've had a, a pretty shocking start as well, haven't they? Yeah, but it's not a surprise. I think that my feelings about um, the, the the leadership of that club are quite clear. I didn't think they did enough to bolster that line. Um, Kruse went out, is out down with an injury now, so that's not good. And that was, they don't have anyone to back that up uh, the position up because they let Pitaro go and uh, I just I'm not convinced I'm just not convinced that Alexander Nuri is a Bundesliga caliber coach I, and he's he's done nothing this year to prove me wrong and um, that's that's really a major concern and I think this was something that you could kind of see coming in my opinion that they would struggle and I think they almost need to be worried at least just as much as Köln. You know, they're still winless as well. Seven games without a win. Um, that's, that's not good, I think. And they don't have that, they don't have that excuse of midweek Europa Cup games. You know, they don't have that. So I think it's, it's something that they uh, will have to address. And, um, my sense is that there might be a change coming over the, uh, international break at Werder Bremen. And Chris, uh, obviously, if we look at the teams above them on like the seven points, yes, there's teams on eight, nine, whatever. Uh, but from 12th down to 16th, we've got uh, teams sitting at seven points. Out of those sides, is there anyone that surprised you um, and dis- maybe disappointed you with their start? I mean, we've got Wolfsburg, Mainz, Stuttgart, Freiburg, and, and the poor old uh, Hamburg fans. I eh? got a feel for them every year. Every year, yeah. So I would say that um, Freiburg have surprised me maybe a little, but shocked probably not because of who they lost um, in the summer. So that was always going to be their problem. And we talked about that at great length last season. What could they do this season? Um, You know, and now they haven't got the two that they have got anymore. It's looking hard for them. I don't really think there's anyone that's going to shock me. Mainz, um, I would have had down there fighting anyway. Hamburg, just for the reason they're down there um, anyway. Then we always need a newly promoted side. To be honest, I didn't think it'd be Stuttgart that'd be down there. I did think it would be Hanover. Um, So my initial prediction um, is looking very wrong at the moment. Um, I mean, if you're looking from 12th, down 
we've got Wolfsburg, as you said, who were you know in that uh, danger area last season. So there's no real, um, there's no real issues I've got with any major surprises apart from the team that's holding them all up at the very bottom. I didn't expect them to be there. So that is the that's the main surprise. If we're looking, Bryce, from 12th down to 18th, my biggest surprise is 18th. Yeah, I'm unfortunately for them, but. Um... Well, let's just see how that develops. As you said, um, it's only going to be another few uh, losses and it may be a step too far for them. Let's hope that is not the case. But as we said uh, earlier, that it's international break coming up once again. Yeah, it seems like um, we, we just had this, didn't we? So, But um, yeah, let, let's talk, uh, Manu, um, obviously about the uh, upcoming internationals. Um, Germany are playing someone... Uh, which I predict they're going to lose to. Oh, the team that they're playing will lose. Yeah, I think you you might be right. Um, they're playing Northern Ireland first, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not what I said. <laughs> how, how do you feel the game's going to go? Uh, obviously, we're second in the group. You guys are first. Uh, you're five points ahead with six points left. Mm. Um, Northern Ireland, uh, obviously, no. That you know, It's a big ask for you guys to lose uh, two games. I, I think you told me once that you've lost was it two qualifier games in maybe 92 or something, which is phenomenal. But, um, yeah, I mean, so if we're looking from a Northern perspective, I suppose a, a draw would be a nice uh, result for us. But but how do you feel things are going to go? Are you looking forward uh, to the international break? I do enjoy watching Germany. I, I'm not looking forward to this game in particular because I know how Northern Ireland play against Germany and um, I expect that they will park the bus and then put in a wall and probably dig in a trench and um, do everything they need to maybe sneak in a goal and get a result. And um, I've seen that at the European Championships in 2016, um, which was one of the worst games I've seen my entire life. It's 90 minutes I want back. And I suspect it will be a similar scenario. But on the other hand, um, maybe the game will, will surprise me because Bryce, you guys need to win and Germany just needs the point that, um, that changes the entire dynamic a little bit. So maybe Northern Ireland will actually try to play football. And if that happens, um, if Northern Ireland opens this up, then, and Germany gets a goal or two, then it could be floodgates. But uh, I, I suspect um, you asked me about a prediction and usually I don't like to predict those games until I've written my preview, which I'm going to, but I, I suspect I will put down a 2-0 or 3-0 win for Germany. Well, funny enough, um, watching Germany in uh, Northern, uh, the first ever uh, Northern game I went to, I remember uh, Christian Ziegler, uh, mm-hmm. who played for uh, for Liverpool as well. Uh, he scored a free kick um, against us. I think we lost three, maybe three nil on that day. I remember trying to blank it out anyway. But um, yeah, it, it's obviously very difficult for us because we've really, if we want to finish top of the group, you know, your automatic. Uh, you know, qualification, you've got to win it, uh, which is very hard on us because this is one of the best uh, qualifying campaigns we've had in, in many, many years. Um, I think we've got one of the best offensive records, if not the best in uh, qualification. And yeah, it's it's a shame. We're going to get so close, but we're still going to have to go to the playoffs. And playoffs, you just, you never know. We can uh, reach a game. But 
my predictions, well, I've got to, I've got to stick with my side, don't I? And, and you know, with my nation, and say we'll win it one nil. I can only see a goal coming from a set piece, but oh well, it, it'll be interesting because uh, the podcast, uh, obviously, where you're from, where I'm from, uh, I just hope that it's maybe not as uh, dull, uh, dull for you, and uh, as stressful for me as the European Championship uh, matchup between the two of them. Uh, Manu, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the. Um, the German squad that that's been uh, called up is is there anyone that um, has you know, surprised you their inclusion or anyone northern should uh, should fear coming into that squad? Well, where do I begin? Um... Apart from the obvious, I suppose. I think we also need to go to Chris. Chris, what's your prediction for this game? Uh, sorry, I, I've, I've just gone to make a cup of tea because you're talking about Northern Ireland and um, Germany. So I just missed the last 10 minutes of that conversation. Well, well, we, we need a prediction. It's, it's only fair. Uh, obviously, I'm joking. I didn't. I just stayed in the background <laughs> while you guys chatted it out. Um, you're more the, professional than that, Chris. <laughs> um, a prediction. Well, um, we've got um, Chris Weir there, haven't we, Manu? Mm. Um, on a, a midweek, um, I'm going to say 3 um, 0 to Germany. Yeah, that's a good bet. Yeah, I thought you would. Thought you would. Um, yeah, Chris. <laughs> thanks for that, Chris. We'll, we'll speak to you next week, um, Manu. Um, <laughs> Manu, <laughs> let's go back uh, to that squad. Is there anyone that you'd like to highlight, or do you, that you think might get a, a run out in uh, this game or the game against uh, Azerbaijan? Leroy Sané. I, I want to highlight him. He's been having a really good time over in England, and he's been called up. He had an operation on his nose um, and missed the Confederations Cup. He's a fantastic player, fantastic talent. Manchester City um, can be so fortunate to have him. He's still only 21 and dazzling player. And I, th- I think he'll get plenty of playing time because he has pace, he has creativity. He can surprise people. Um, he, actually, he's exactly the sort of player Bayern would need to replace Robin and Ribéry, but that's a different story entirely. I think that's who you want um, to watch. I think he's he's going to be absolutely fantastic. Yes, definitely. Okay, Manu, just one last thing before we well, more or less wrap up the show today. Uh, obviously, it's going to be very tough for uh, Northern to uh, to well to even get one point. Uh, never mind three. That would one point um, or three for Germany would mean that they qualify though. Um, if they. Um, if they do get a point or more um, and they go to play Azerbaijan fully qualified, what type of team do you expect them to play then? You know, what, what type of starting eleven would it be um, as somewhat a B team? No, I I think those days um, are over. the The consensus after the European Championship qualification was that Germany did not take the qualification series enough, and then as a result, did not win the Euros. So. That's also why I'm suspect that Germany will take the game in Northern Ireland very serious, which is of course adds to the bad news uh, for you guys. They will field the best possible squad, and um, I think that you know the selection shows that he picked players that are really in form, and you know some very young, exciting players. Uh, every position looks very good, you know, including goalkeeper. The starting keeper for Germany will be. Then the first keeper for Barcelona. So Neuer, although his world class will not be missed. And I, I reckon that maybe that's the only position where he will rotate in the final game. He might like give Trapp some playing time. He might uh, rotate a couple of the defenders, but it, it will be a strong team for both those games. 
Well, I think that more or less does it for today's show. Um, we'll obviously be back uh, during the international break, uh, covering any news that does come in, and obviously covering the international games themselves. Uh, I'll be able to talk about Northern beating Germany, as you may know. Uh, but uh, that does it for today. Uh, Chris, um, sorry that you haven't been included for what might feel like a lifetime now, uh, but uh, what have you got going on this week that you would like to draw people's attention to? Don't want to speak about it. Fine. We're full. No, I've, um, we've got loads of stuff going on. There's loads of previews, international previews, managed writing a load. Um, I'll be doing the imagery for them. Um, as I said earlier, we've got Chris Weir should be at the um, Northern Ireland Germany game, which will be fantastic. Uh, I'm trying my hardest to get over and cover Slovenia for um, football grads. So, yeah, there's loads going on, even though it's a international break and a club football is taking a back seat. Obviously, we won't be and we'll still be pushing out the content. Great stuff. And Manu, is there anything that you would like to draw people's attention to just before we finish up? Yeah, Chris pretty much mentioned it. Um, you're going to try to preview a, a lot of those games. I have the list in front of me and um, I will take a little break after this podcast, turn on, make some coffee and and uh, type them all out. And then um, we have we have uh, something special on the Usmanov-Everton situation come out on Football Grad. Uh, that's uh, thanks to DSK, who's providing us the article. So that will be out by the time this pod is out. So if you're an Everton fan, head over there, check that out. And um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I guess um, the we are all waiting... Um, what is it? Habemus Popum when they, when they announced the Pope. I guess it's going to be Habemus, uh, Habemus Trainerum for Bayern Munich. We're all waiting for the white, white smoke and see, uh, what's going on at the Sebener Straße. And I think as soon as we have a decision and an announcement, um, we'll probably be back for that. Yeah, I would say you're right. I would say there may be another special pod coming your direction. Uh, the only thing I'd like to point uh, people in the direction of, I suppose, uh, apart from the Galatza Mexican football pod, which will return this week uh, after taking a break uh, last week. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Can you just head over to Likes of iTunes? Uh, just uh, give us a few uh, comments if you can. Uh, maybe even rate the show. We'd greatly appreciate that. Apart from that, go to Football Grad Live. Um, on Twitter. Check out all the articles coming your way. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and thank you for tuning in, and I'll beat us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt als wär's ein Rhythmus als gäb's ein Lied Lass mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Ich hab It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. With AMC+, Plus, the plus doesn't just mean more. It means better. Available through the platforms you're already on, AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle with the best of AMC. 
plus the complete collections of Shudder, Sundance Now, and IFC Films Unlimited. Get the latest from The Walking Dead with early access and exclusives. Binge acclaimed series like Mad Men, ad-free, and with new content dropping each week, like Gangs of London, a powerful drama about London's criminal underworld. There's always something fresh to check out. Sign up at amcplus.com. amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.